When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 333. Today's episode is all about how to build a life rich in experiences and die with no regrets. Maybe I'm not the type of person that can climb a mountain or, or plant a million trees or, you know, even something as simple as go skydiving. I'm not that type of person, but I, I want to do it, but I'm not that person. It's like, but you can be, you just have to take those steps towards it and then you're going to see yourself in a new light. Like if I would have thought, you know, like when I was a kid, like I'm going to, you know, write a book or, or start a company or whatever, like I would have been like, that's so daunting, but you can't look at this big daunting thing. You have to look at what, what can I do in the next 24 hours? That's going to move this forward. And then if I just do that every single day, eventually it's going to happen. And there's like a snowball effect where it's like, okay, all of these things start happening. Like, like right now, it's like, we, you know, spent two years on the book and we didn't know if anyone was going to like it. Right. But now it's out and, and it's done and the response has been so positive and so good and it feels so good to like share it with people. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means mind love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. What if you were tasked with creating joy on purpose? What would you do? This question really makes you stop and think. We spend so much time chasing after what we believe will bring us joy. More money, a bigger home, a fancier car. But if we were to distill joy into its purest form in this very moment, would any of those material things even play a role? Think back to your earliest, most joyful memories. What do they all have in common? For me, there's novelty to them. There's something about them that doesn't usually happen a deviation from the everyday. So they stand out and get encoded as core memories. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. For me, embracing adulthood had a lot to do with establishing routines. Back in my 20s, I was all about living in the moment. Bender weekends, impromptu road trips, the thrill of not knowing where I'd end up sleeping or who with. Worst flex ever. My car was practically my second home. Life was just one big unpredictable adventure. Now, I genuinely love my routines. They aren't just a set of tasks. They're a reflection of who I am and what matters to me. These routines are what keep me anchored. They're the rhythm to my day, keeping me productive, healthy, and frankly, sane. But here's the thing I've been figuring out, especially now with kids in the picture. As awesome as my routines are, they need a little zing every now and then. Even the most rock-solid routines can get a bit, well routine, if you know what I mean. It's like when you get a new car. It's all shiny and exciting at first, but after a while, even a Porsche just becomes the car you drive. Nothing special. With kids, we have realized that it's up to us to create their experiences. It's a lot of responsibility, but it also forces us to think creatively. What I'm realizing, it's not just about making things magical for my little ones. I need a bit of that magic too. So here's my question. When was the last time you just did something for the sheer fun of it? I'm not talking about big vacations or meticulously planned outings. I mean those little impromptu acts of joy, like diving into a pile of leaves, fully knowing that you have to rake them up again, or maybe having a random dance off in your living room, or deciding to cook a super fancy dinner on a Tuesday night just for kicks. 
Or maybe it is about those bigger dreams, like finally taking that trip you've always talked about, starting that business you've always talked about, riding in a hot air balloon, learning to snowboard, regardless of your age. These moments, big or small, are what make life vibrant. They add a splash of color to our everyday existence. They remind us that joy isn't just about grand gestures or milestones. It's often in those spontaneous, simple things that leave a lasting impression. So that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Bridget Hilton. She's an expert in living a rich, experience-filled life. As a teenager, she hustled her way into the biggest record label in the world, helping to launch the careers of some major music stars that we know today. And her life took a turn when she saw a video of a deaf woman hearing for the first time. This inspired her to start Listen Sound Co., a company that's all about giving back. They've sold millions of products, worked with big names like Google, Delta Airlines, Amazon. They've been featured on the Today Show, GMA, the New York Times. But the real highlight? Traveling the world and giving over 50,000 people the gift of hearing. And now she's out inspiring others as a keynote speaker, co-author of the Experiential Billionaire book and Treasure Maps card game. Her passion is all about helping people improve their mental health and live intentional, regret-free lives by chasing fulfilling goals. So three key things we will learn are the game-changing power of tiny actions, the surprising secret to happiness from the Harvard study on relationships and experiences, and how to regret-proof your life with one simple exercise. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Bridget Hilton to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So what originally inspired your idea of experiential billionaires? Sure. So it's kind of a longer story, I guess, but uh, I'll start when I first started my, um, my other company called Listen. And I had been working in the music industry previously, and I saw this video on YouTube of a woman that was the same age as me hearing for the first time. And that experience of seeing that video led me to start a company that gives people the gift of hearing. And we, what we do is we sell headphones and speakers and other audio products, but we give the proceeds to help give people around the world hearing aids. And it was like, you know, we've been doing that, me and my business partner, Joe, have been doing that for the last 11 years. And it's just been the most incredible experience of our lives. And to make the story very much shorter than it was <laughs> condensed the last 11 years. We never saw like crazy, crazy financial success. Like the whole thing was a very like roller coastery uh, experience. But um, there was like times during that, that, you know, I was on these lists like Forbes 30 under 30 or Inc 30 under 30 and things like that. And it became kind of this, this inside joke with me and my business partner because people would be reaching out to us and being like, oh my God, you guys are like feeling it right now and like <laughs> asking to like borrow money. And the funny thing is that we were just giving away all of our money to fund these trips around the world to help people here. And so I would respond to them and be like, you know, I'm not a billionaire. I didn't sell like, you know, beats to Apple like Dr. Gray did, but I am an experiential billionaire <laughs> because we were having all these experiences that I couldn't even even imagine. Like when I was growing up, I grew up like super blue collar and like came from nothing. And and I was doing all these things I couldn't even imagine myself doing when I was a kid. And in those experiences, like helping so many people, we ended up giving over 50,000 people the gift of hearing. And that experience to me was worth like any, you know, I would take that over any amount in a bank account. So it was kind of just this like ongoing joke of like, we're experiential billionaires. <laughs> we don't actually have that much money. <laughs> <laughs> that actually reminds me of when I launched Mind Love. I had a marketing mindset and I ended up growing it really quickly to where it was only about 
four months after I launched that I was getting asked to speak at podcasting conferences. And I was lucky to where about six months in, I started being able to get sponsors. But I quit my job to just go full force on this. And mind you, my job was making me miserable. And so (laughs) I probably would have quit even if I didn't have something lined up and figured something out. But so many people would come up to me at those conferences and it's just like, oh yeah, well, you're killing it. And they'd almost like say it, be be strategizing about how to make more money with their podcast and then just sort of brush me to the side. And I'm like, wait, bring me into these conversations. Like I'm, yes, I'm, I am doing really well with my podcast, but I focused on the growth. I didn't even focus on really turning it into something profitable until about a year in. And so there was like this six month period of time where it was a very weird mindset because it was creating an imposter syndrome that I wasn't asking for. Like people were putting me in this box that I never really, like I didn't go in and say, and now I'm making $500,000 a year with my show. I was just like, no, no, no. (laughs) I I could talk to you about the growth part, but could somebody talk to me about what else you're doing? (laughs) Right. Totally. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) So Is that what initially led you to start kind of questioning society's definition of of wealth and and making that connection between experiences and fulfillment? Yeah, because, you know, when I was a kid um, growing up, like I I just wanted to be rich, you know, like the the typical way of rich. I was like dreaming of like someday I'm going to I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and I would think about someday I want to move to L.A. and like get a mansion like I saw in like, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something. And I would want like some fancy car or whatever, but like, cause we're never taught that our experiences are the most important part of our life. We're taught that like currency times a lot equals like a happy life. And that's not really true. I mean, money, I'm not anti-money whatsoever. It's the book is not about that. It's, it's more about that. You should be investing in your actual experiences over anything else. And so yeah, with the book, we just, you know, we went really deep. After COVID hit, we kind of sat down and we were like, well, we're not traveling right now. We're not giving people hearing, which was like our purpose. And we were like, what is our purpose if that's not there? And uh, we started asking our friends and family, like, what can we do to help other people? And and everyone came back and said the same thing. And it's like, you should tell your stories because you've been doing all this inspirational stuff around the world. And like, like you haven't really been like telling it to everyone and like you should go speak and you should write. And like, that's how we kind of even got the idea to write a book in the first place. And then we started asking friends and family and uh, like people that we knew, like what the most valuable experiences of their life were and if they had any big regrets in life and how they could kind of turn around that regret if they still had time. And then we started reading all these studies, like three out of four people at the end of their life say that they regret the things that they didn't do instead of the things that they did. So all of these things kind of like started building. Then we we started going to retirement homes and talking to elderly people about what they regretted in their life and like what they wish that they still had time to do. And it was just mind blowing. And all of these things came. And then we ended up, honestly, we had 20,000 plus people that we interviewed for this book. So it was quite a big project. But uh, at the end of the day, the answers were all, you know, people value their relationships and the experiences they have in those relationships, whether it's friendships or, you know, romantic relationships or with their colleagues or, you know, family or whatever. And it's really like nobody, you know, nobody asks to see their wallet one last time at the hospital when when they're dying. They all want to be with their family. They want to talk about the things that they did. It's not, uh, you know, nobody has like, died with 10 million on the bank on their tombstone. We got really, really deep with this stuff. And after talking to 20,000 people, it was just very obvious that like, even though we're not taught this, it is the most important thing in life is to focus on your experiences. And that's how you become more fulfilled and regret-free at the end. I interviewed a man named Mark Schultz who worked on Harvard's longest standing study on happiness. And so much of it came back to the experiences and relationships. And it is so ironic that so many of us start our lives chasing this dollar amount. I recently had babies. I have a toddler and eight month old, and I've been trying to be very intentional about the messages that I give him. And we're lucky to be 
at least right now, the plan is homeschool. Who knows? <laughs> what I, one thing I've learned <laughs> parenting is a lot of the times I plan something and then when it actually gets to it, I'm like, how? How? <laughs> oh, how that's, nice. That's everyone. <laughs> that's every single parent. They're like, before they have kids, they're like, I'm never going to let them have a screen or whatever. And then it's like, you just fall into that because it's so much easier sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, especially for travel. Still trying to be intentional about that, but it is definitely in our lives. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now for another episode of lies we've been told about our health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I remember like even when I met my husband, we kind of bonded with our entrepreneurial minds and and we both had these dollar amounts, like I'm going to be wildly successful. But when I said wildly successful, what my mind was creating was like an amount of cash and a, a type of lifestyle. And what I've learned over my now, like, I mean, six years of of doing this business, but probably like 10 years of really, or 15 years of really diving into entrepreneurship, the transformation has really come in the last half of that whole journey, though, is this that's not the goal whatsoever anymore. And somehow, without focusing on it as much, it's just coming. And I think it's because I'm getting clearer on what actually makes a difference, not just in my lives, but in the people that I serve, what that lifestyle would look like. Like I'm no longer sitting there manifesting piles of money. I'm like, okay, yes, I would like to increase this amount of income, but it's to give my children this type of lifestyle, or I want to have this opportunity, or I want to bring this into our lives, or I want to be able to grow this platform and share it with this amount of people. And there's something that just clicks in that because I'm going to take like something very obvious, like a sales call. That's something you learn in the beginning uh, of entrepreneurship. It's like, oh, it's all about the mindset. And it is. And like now, if I offered something that was a higher price, I would be coming at it with such a different energy because I know what it takes. I know the commitment. I know 
what my overall goal is. And it's not like I'm sitting there on the other side, like, okay, I'm asking for this amount. Do you think I'm worth it? Like it's, it's just a whole different energy. And so that's not even just with like money making opportunities. It's how I'm creating my life. And it's, it's just so interesting how the clearer I get on the kinds of experiences that I want in my life, it's almost like they just are falling into my lap. Just yesterday I had a, somebody called me and basically asked me for something that I was going to pitch to her. (laughs) I already had it planned out. I was just going to do it in like four weeks from now. And so I know a big part of your, of what you teach around these experiences is getting really clear on the experiences that you want. What's your process for that? And why do you find it important? First of all, I love everything that you just said. I think it's so true. Like once you find your like authentic self and like what you really want and what's important to you, it's things become more clear and like almost easier in a way. And like, if you think about like, I'm just going to make money so I can trade that currency for the experiences that I want versus like just making money isn't really like, that doesn't mean anything. Right. But if you're like, I want to take my kid to do X. I have to like make this much money. It makes it so much more like, like that you actually are inspired and motivated to like to work more and to do that money. It's it's not just like, I'm just going to get some fictional number. So I love that. So for me, I do a bunch of different things around this. I'm really, really into like, you know, figuring out what I want and going after it and being extremely intentional, whether it's something with work or whether it's something in like, in in a relationship or in, you know, travel, for example. So one thing that I do every year um, on January 1st is this exercise that we have called the treasure map. And I love this exercise. It's basically, what if your doctor called you and was like, you have one year left to live and suddenly your time is finite, right? You don't have like this fictional someday, you only have one year. So I think about this on January 1st. I'm like, what if I only had this year? What would I do? And I write down like the top 10 things that I would do in one year. And then I think about what about if I had one month and what if I had one day, what are those things that I would do? And I want to make sure that I do as many of those things possible in that year. So I'll be doing this for 2024 very soon. And I'm already thinking of certain things, but it really, it kind of makes it, the exercise makes it finite versus like, oh, I want to, you know, Someone might say, I want to travel the world someday. Like, well, that's not a real goal, right? It's going to take a long time. And if you don't go to one place this year or two places this year, it's not, you're not going to like build up to that. You, you have to actually like do those things. So last year, like on January 1st, 2023, I wrote down like, I want to go to India. And I swear to God, like a next, like the week after that, I got an invite out of the blue to go to India. <laughs> Like I, that never happens, right? But that was just like a, a crazy example. Obviously, I still have to take the steps to like, you know, pay for it and to, uh, you know, take the time off of work or whatever. But, and it's a lot of planning, but it was still like one of those moments where I was like, oh, like, like you were saying, like, it just makes it easier if you speak it into the universe. And I'm not all about like the manifestation thing. I, I'm partially about it, but I think that you really have to like focus on being intentional and and actually taking those steps as well. You can't just sit and wish for things. <laughs> oh, that was but, a but yeah, I did that exercise. Just manifestation in the beginning of this journey. I'm like, well, I've read the secret and then I read the power. And so I'm like sitting there and I'm just like visualizing. I'm like, why is none of this happening? And then I just went off the roller coaster and I'm like, okay, that's all bullshit. <laughs> but then when I started yeah. to understand, like, uh, like kind of look at the quantum physics side, kind of look at what the most Uh, successful people do. And I'm like, okay, all those elements are there. There's, you're just missing a key piece. You can't wait for life to come to you. You have to keep meeting all of these opportunities where they meet you. Yeah. And I think that's really been so clear, like in all the research and work that we've done with this book is that everybody has these goals and dreams, right? And like, maybe they don't know exactly what it is. Maybe they say something like travel the world and they're like, but that doesn't, they need to be more specific with that stuff. But everybody wants something and the biggest regret at the end of their life is not doing that thing, right? So it's like, they might've been trying to manifest it or think about it, but they never took the steps. And the excuses that we got, the number one excuse was that I just never got around to it. And that's just unacceptable. (laughs) Sad. I mean, I felt so bad reading these things because if if you just take the 
steps towards something, like you're so much more likely to get there if you just keep going, like little step by little step. Yeah, the number one reason didn't get around to it. Number two reason, fear, which I think is probably when you dig deep into the never getting around to it or saying you don't have time or money, the the deeper part of that is probably fear. So you've got to help people get through these fears to do the things that they want to do. I have been reflecting on this a lot recently because for some reason lately, I'm just, it's becoming very apparently how differently I live my life than the average person. Probably because I was in Santa Monica for a couple of years and I was going to WeWork and I was meeting all these other people that were driven and going to these entrepreneur events. And so everyone was just kind of like me. And then I moved to the mountains and it's just a different experience, which is fine. But it reminds me of that quote that if you need something done, ask the busiest person, you know, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is so true from a couple of people. And I asked and, and I, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, yeah, I got to put like tight deadlines. And then I'm like, Oh, it's just a quick letter. Uh, can you do this in 24 hours? And people are like, Oh, my God. And I'm like, you don't have a job right now. I don't really understand. <laughs> you know? like, you're at home. <laughs> you're watching The Bachelor. <laughs> like, it's it's honestly, it's home. so true. <laughs> that saying is like spot on. Like, I swear to God, if somebody asked me to do, I'm really busy right now, but I, if someone asked me to do something, I'll like, I'll just do it versus like, oh, I'm just going to do it next week because then it will never get done. Right? I'll have it done in 11 minutes. Same. And also, so you live in Santa Monica. I'm right north of Santa Monica. Um, so I'm very familiar. Where in the mountains are you? I'm in Big Bear Lake now. Oh, yes. Wow. Let me know when I can come hang out. Anytime. <laughs> and so lately, though, in, in kind of having this realization, it's been uh, making it a lot easier to continue my growth because all of a sudden I'm like, well, what am I doing differently than other people? And I'm like, oh, wow, I have to be so intentional also with kids, also with like all these goals. And uh, you were talking about how you have to like meet life where it is when something falls in your lap. There's still a bunch of planning that happens. And recently we had that experience where we, we, I almost feel like we were funneled into a move. Now moving when you have like a four month old and a toddler is not an easy thing. <laughs> Mind you, we just got back from a couple week vacation. We had catching up to do, but there were just all these signs. Like first a house opened up just down the street. Then a bunch of negative experiences happened where we were. Then... <laughs> We looked at that house and it wasn't right. But then for some reason, the realtor kept pushing us towards another one. We're like, why are you trying to sell us on another house when it seems like we like this one? <laughs> it was just weird because it was so much work. But I kept saying, it feels like I'm not doing anything. Like It feels like for some reason, my legs are in motion. I'm packing up all my stuff. Like I almost couldn't say no. And I'm like, this is when something's meant to be. And it really was the best decision that we could have made. But yeah, it was a ton of work while also feeling like there was some sort of motion propelling me forward the entire time. And an older version of me, I remember sitting there thinking, having this belief that I wasn't the kind of person that could follow through on things anymore, somewhere in my 20s. And I was just like, how do people do that? Now I have the complete opposite belief. I'm like, I'm the person that'll follow through. Like, you need something done, give it to me. I'll have it done very quickly. I have a completely different self-belief. And it did take a couple of years to get there. But I think the the biggest thing was that clarity part because we'll have a goal. And like you said, it's not a real goal. It's like, oh, I, I want to start a business. And it's like, okay, but what kind of business? Who are you going to be serving? What's your life going to look like? What sacrifices are you willing to make while you're getting there? How are you going to restructure a day to have time for this? And so like, those are the steps that it takes. But the good news is, is once you like that's the work is showing up for those questions. And once you start to do that, then you know how you're restructuring your day. So then the next step is just restructuring your day. Okay. I have an extra 90 minutes. If I stop watching bachelor in paradise after my kids go to bed, yes, it's going to be difficult, but, and some days I'm not going to feel like it. So what's going to be my, Oh shit plan. All right. If I like, maybe just Fridays, I'll take off or whatever it is, like build in all the things that you think are going to get in the way. And then all you have to do is kind of just like float down the river that you just built for yourself. And so I wish people understood that more because things seem so daunting, but it's daunting if it's just floating around in your head. When you start to map it out, all of the most daunting goals 
become manageable because you can just see it's like building a new neural pathway in your brain. And then when you start to follow those steps that you've laid out, all of a sudden you start to see yourself differently. You're the kind of person that can do this. And then you've been doing it for a couple of years and you feel like a whole different person. You have trust in yourself. You have belief that you can create big things. And so it's just so many people are expecting other people or life to do it for them when that's how you show up for yourself. But then when you do, all of a sudden magical experience seemed to happen and you just get calls with your ideal client or invited to India or whatever the thing is for you. <laughs> I mean, you are speaking my language like exactly. That is exactly what the book's about. And it's, you know, we have a little section that says exactly those words. Like maybe I'm not the type of person that can climb a mountain or, or plant a million trees or, you know, even something as simple as go skydiving. I'm not that type of person, but I, I want to do it, but I'm not that person. It's like, but you can be, you just have to take those steps towards it. And then you're going to see yourself in a new light. Like if I would have thought, you know, like when I was a kid, like I'm going to write a book or, or start a company or whatever, like I would have been like, that's so daunting, but you can't look at this big daunting thing. You have to look at what, I, what can I do in the next 24 hours that's going to move this forward. And then if I just do that every single day, eventually it's going to happen. And there's like a snowball effect where it's like, okay, all of these things start happening. Like, like right now it's like, we, you know, spent two years on the book and we didn't know if anyone was going to like it, right? But now it's out and, and it's done and the response has been so positive and so good and it feels so good to like share it with people. But like if I would have just thought about this big thing first, I might have been like, oh, it's too much work or it's, it's you know, it's going to take too much time or whatever. But it's so worth doing those things because I always thought it would be cool to write a book, but I... I thought maybe I'll do it in, you know, 10 years or whatever. And then this crazy life thing happened in 2020 where we were just like, we're just going to do it now. And I'm so glad like that might have never happened. Right. If I just didn't like take those steps. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning it's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? 
It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash mindlove. That exact experience happened with me with kids. I remember being like, okay, I'm, I said I was going to have kids at 35. Uh, I was like, I need five years. This was when I was 30. And then it was approaching, but I probably would have kept putting it off. And I remember looking at a friend who had two kids and I was like, just takes so long to get there. Like this toddler phase looks so cute, but I've got to get pregnant. And then I've got to be pregnant and then I've got to give birth and then I've got to go through this phase and then that phase and to get to two kids. And even after having one, I was like, I know I got to do that all over again. <laughs> and so instead of thinking about that, I just it's like when I go running, I was just thinking about this this morning on my run. I'm like, I was kind of comparing some of the conversations I've had with friends I've went running with. And one of them kept saying, there's just so many hills. And I was like, oh, I barely noticed those. But then I realized I'm just focused on where my next step is landing because there's a bunch of rocks and everything. And and so I kind of zoomed out in my run and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a big hill, isn't it? And then all of a sudden I felt so much more tired. And I'm like, oh, go back to your feet. And I just started going back to that one foot in front of the other. The same thing happened with kids. And I just realized the other day I had a flashback to that thought. And I was like, I'm at that point of when I was looking at somebody else thinking it's going to take so much to get there. And now I've got my kids and now I'm starting to get a little more freedom to focus on something else. What I found is so many people talk themselves out of it because they're like, well, yeah, you have clarity. So of course, you know how to like take the steps to do this. And what I've been interviewing a lot of people because I'm working on uh, my signature coaching program that I'm relaunching next year. And, and what comes up for a lot of people, there's the, the camp that we've been talking about where it's like, okay, they don't have a belief at all of even being able to do something. So they've got to kind of get over that. But then there's this other group that, yeah, they can do some stuff and they have done some stuff. But their biggest dreams, there's this fear that they're going to spend all this time and it's not going to resonate with people or they're going to stall out because they get burnt out from it or they're going to realize they're going to be six months in and realize it's not really the thing for them and they wasted all this time. And so when you're creating your next big goal, how do you get clarity around that or, or move through some of those internal objections? I think that excuse is interesting. Like when people say like, oh, what if it doesn't work out? It's like, isn't it more important to try and to, to know that you tried and it didn't work out? Like, I think a very, very simple thing to reference for me could be like, I always wanted to like run a race, right? So I did like this half marathon thing. And, and then I was like, that wasn't really for me, right? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't love it. Like a lot of people love it. And I think that's awesome. But like, for me, it wasn't really what I wanted. But I was like, I'm so glad that I did it. And then I tried. And then now I don't ever have to like worry about that. And like, you know, that's probably not the outcome that I would have wanted, I guess I probably would have wanted to to do stuff like that all the time. But I think that you figure out what you don't like and what you don't want. And like, in, in, you know, stuff like you said, like, if maybe it doesn't work out, but at least you tried, you know, like next year, one of my goals is to um, one of my big goals very scary goal is to write a stand-up comedy set and um I'm terrified but I'm also like I love comedy so much and it's like one of my favorite things on earth it's like music comedy like I just it's like ingrained in me like since I was a kid I've loved stand-up and I've always thought like watching stand-up I'm like man I wish I could do that like that would be so cool if I could do that but I'm just not like you know, good enough for that. But the reality is like, if I put it on my goal list, and I'm like working on it every day, like just a little bit every day. And then at the end of the day, I have something and I have this like body of work. And even if nobody cares, like I literally don't care if anyone else likes it. Because for me, I'm gonna know that I tried and that I at least know that like, I have that forever. And I'm not going to regret it at the end of the, my life being like, I wish that I would have tried this. You know, like at your funeral, no one's going to say like, uh, she really like tried to do a lot of things, but she failed. Like people are going to be like, <laughs> she really things. embarrassed herself on Instagram the last three years. 
glad she's gone. <laughs> oh, they're gonna be like, "I'm so cool that you tried to like do comedy and like I, that might have inspired someone else to do that, or it might inspired someone else to follow a different dream." And like just doing things and like gives other people permission to do things. So even if you fail, quote unquote, and by the way, failure is so ridiculous. Like nobody really cares, right? Like nobody's really like looking at you that closely to be like, oh my God, that person failed. Like they suck. It's not really like that. Like people, you're giving someone else permission to follow their own dreams, even if you, even if it doesn't turn out in the way that you think. I have had a few experiences where I tried or I I started to do something. This was in this was in a more negative phase of my life, but I started to do something, <laughs> realized it wasn't really for me, and I started to create these internal narratives that like, okay, like I started to get be afraid to try something new. This was a very short period, but I remember it vividly because it felt like crap. <laughs> and what I very soon realized is Again, it's kind of this self-reflection period afterwards because it's so easy to like all of a sudden one thing feels bad and you apply that feeling to the entire experience versus maybe it's just this one little segment. An experience, an, an example I can give that happened after I knew this was actually moving to the mountains. I was so excited. I'm like, okay, I'm done. It was 2020. <laughs> like, I'm done with being here. I want to go somewhere else. I want to be in nature. I'm pregnant. Like all these good things. I had a whole list of all of these good things. And then I got here and it was like a month in. Most food is making me nauseous, except for all this food I'm craving from Uber Eats down in Santa Monica that you just don't have here. And so all of a sudden I'm listing all of the negatives and I'm like, oh my gosh, I knew I jumped into this too fast. What I've been able to do since being in the mountains is, yeah, there are a couple of things that this town is lacking. There, I have yet to find other people that are on the same path, whether it's spiritually, whether it's entrepreneurially. And so there was also a period of time where I'd be in friendship circles and I'd like try to go deep and like met with something about cheese sticks or something like that. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, and I could just feel like unfulfilled. But then my new programming kicked in and it's like, okay, well, what am I needing here? How can I get this still? It doesn't have to come from this one thing. It reminds me of what I learned about friends a long time ago, where like I'd get really close to friends and they'd be like my bestie that I was always around. And then they'd respond to something in a way I didn't want them to, or my mom would, or my husband would or whatever. And it's like, okay, everyone can't be everything for someone this is my friend that I call when I just want her to let me vent. This is the friend that I call when I actually want actionable strategies. This is the friend. And so segmenting life in that same way, where recently I've I've really been kind of getting back into my groove of business, the freedom there. And I'm like, what do I need? I need these high vibe conversations. So now I have this book club set up with one of my friends and we post it on our podcast. And then I still have interviews like this and I have an accountability group and all of this stuff that I've been building up my life in a way where not everything needs to give me every single thing that I want. And I wish that people could see that more in their lives rather than just being like, well, that was disappointing. It's like, well, what, what part of it was disappointing? You don't really learn more about yourself until you take that time, that space to really reflect on it and ask yourself those hard questions. Yeah. And like what you said about segmenting friends and stuff, that is so true and it's so crucial like so we have a whole relationships chapter in the book about how um like it's been proven that like the number one way to grow a relationship whether it's like you know your boyfriend girlfriend mom whatever it's it's having new experiences with them right and like not letting things like this get stale so but a, what a lot of people do is they'll be like well my friends don't really like to surf for example but I'm never going to because my friends don't want to. Like you can find another person that likes to surf and you don't have to involve your other friends. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be like just so concrete where it's like, well, my friends don't like it. So, and my boyfriend doesn't like it. So I'm not going to do it. Like, but if that's what you want, you need to like make that happen with someone else or just by yourself. And like, that's, it's so crucial. I think so many people get held back 
by the people that are around them. And maybe that's not even like a negative on those people. It's just that they don't have the same, all the same interests and they can't expect them to have all the same interests. And it's so true what they say about like, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. Because if, if you're around five people that don't want to try new things and never want to go anywhere or do anything, then you're also going to be that person, right? And so maybe what you need to do is find some other people in your life that you can add in that have those segments. Like, oh, I have a friend that I go you know, shopping with, or I have a friend that I have those deep conversations with, or I have a friend that, you know, we take cooking classes together, right? But maybe those aren't in your current circle. And that's what you want. So you got to just get out there more. (laughs) I could see how that would even be a way to expand yourself to things that you didn't know you wanted to try. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I really want to try this. I'm going to find somebody else. And I'm the type of person where I've moved around a lot by myself. So I'll straight up find a Facebook group, people who surf in Big Bear, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, totally. like, I need friends, like who's getting together? I've got so <laughs> many friends that way. But then what about what opportunities are you not seeing in your current friendship circle? Because they're looking at you like, well, Melissa doesn't like to play Mahjong on weeknights, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, maybe you end up hating it. Maybe it doesn't sound appealing at all, but like, give it a try and see if there's anything you do like, or if that can reconnect that friendship in a specific way, because there also can be a downside. I noticed myself creating a narrative about specific people because I'm like, oh, they can't be this for me. They can't be this for me. They can't be this for me. And I'm like, that may all be true, but what energy am I bringing to that? And make sure I spend, like, these are valuable people. Make sure I spend just as much time. What can they be for me? What do they give me? When do they, I really feel good with this person? Because it's it's just so easy to to accidentally evolve out of relationships that don't necessarily need to be evolved out of. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And it's so like, since you have two kids, I just want to say it's so important. This mindset is so important as a parent. And because like you are giving them the gift of all of these new experiences. And maybe you end up liking some of the stuff. Like maybe your kid gets a bit older and they're like, I love wakeboarding. And you're like, I've never even thought about doing that. Right. But now you are interested in it and that you can share that experience just as like a random example. And by the way, what a great place to grow up. My God, big board, big bear would be just incredible to grow up in. And you could do so much stuff outside there and like, wow, what a place. But, um, Yeah, for kids, it's so important for like these experiences, like you could take something as very simple as like, instead of, you know, ordering pizza tonight, we're going to make pizza together. And it's going to be this like bonding family experience. And it might cost, you know, like, less than probably $15 to get the ingredients for pizza, right? But they're going to remember that. And they're now they're going to know how to like make pizza dough maybe they don't remember in five years but they'll they'll have that skill they'll have that like memory whereas like just ordering a pizza isn't the same experience and so and then maybe you get really into it right you're like i'm gonna be the best pizza maker and big bear (laughs) you just don't know you don't know what you're gonna find like once you start doing a lot of new things and i think that's such an important mindset for for parents and for the kids and like how you bond. Like I wish that I had that when I was a kid. When you were saying that, I actually have a core memory of the one time we made pizza dough from scratch. (laughs) I don't even know how old I was. I think I might have been seven, but yep, it's a core memory (laughs) because it was Yeah, you don't remember all the times you ordered pizza. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. But speaking of kids, I know how you also teach about how important play is for first of all, learning. I interviewed Stephen Kotler and he has this whole thing about kind of aging gracefully his newest book and and a big part of of learning new skills he taught himself to basically be at the level of skiing that you're not supposed to be able to get at if you start at his age but he brought all of his uh research on on how to be like peak performance into this and and play novelty was a huge part of it and but you also talk about how it's a powerful tool for actually shaping your identity as an adult. How so? I, I mean, I love play. Like I'm just a silly human being. So <laughs> I always have been like this. But for me, the you know, the best part of life is to play and to have fun and to just be silly because it's just so serious. You know, life is so serious and so daunting and so dark at times. And if you can't laugh at things, then like, I don't know, it's just a waste of time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like to, I think, 
shaping your identity. Like for me, I want to be the person that my friends go to and they're like, this person's fun and they'll do this weird thing with me. Like they'll go take like a trapeze lesson with me or they'll go like dress up on Halloween with me or like do something that they feel like maybe not comfortable with other people doing. So a lot of people, a lot of adults, you know, once we get older, we're like, we're not going to be playful anymore. We're going to be super serious and everything is very serious. But, you know, for me, I always want to be like that fun friend and the fun person that people can come to and feel comfortable with like being their inner child and like being silly. Like a lot of, you know, one of the, an example is that I have a group of friends that every single year we go see Santa at the mall in Burbank. <laughs> we sit in the same exact position. It's always the same five girls. We've done it every year for almost 14 years. And it's like, I we just have that bond, you know? Like if I don't see them all year, which I usually do, but maybe some years I don't, right? But we'll always have like that one thing that we do together. And I think that's so crucial and having those bonds with the people that you love and like having the ways to connect around it and being silly is like the best way to connect with someone in my opinion I mean being deep is great and I love to get deep with people but like bringing out that inner child like so for the survey that we did of 20,000 people one of the questions was what was your favorite thing you did as a kid and do you do it anymore? And why not? Because usually the answer is no, right? So a lot of people say very simple things like I used to love playing hide and seek, or I used to love playing truth or dare, or I used to love, you know, chasing fireflies with a jar. It's like, and the funny thing about every single, not pretty much every single answer to this question is something that is free, but it's still so memorable to them that like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, they're still thinking of this thing that brought them joy. And they could do it today. Like, call your friend, call your most fun friend and be like, you know, let's go collect rocks on the beach. Let's go play tag. Let's go, you know, all of this stuff is free. So for me, I guess shaping my identity is just, I want to be that person. I want to always be able to be like lighthearted and fun when, when my friends need it. Is there a spot for a sixth girl on Santa's knee? Because I hate <laughs> this group so bad. <laughs> I also do Come have... On in. <laughs> One session left of my five pack trapeze classes on the Santa Monica Pier. I also got certified in skydiving, and the moment I got certified, I just never went again. <laughs> I was like, that was the goal, and now scuba diving. No skydiving. Yeah, oh, I, I still, you know, it's funny is I still haven't done that, which is really weird for me because I feel like I would love it, but I, that's definitely on the list. And uh, yeah, trapeze. I did the trapeze at Santa Monica. That's so funny. I thought it was so much fun. Oh, it was a blast. <laughs> There's something about when you were asking about those best experiences, I'm like, am I a bad person that it all the, we had like a, a teepeeing war in, in high school <laughs> yeah. and it was so like, fun, but it was too. not just like getting out at night. A lot of times it was sneaking out at night, going to the grocery store. We'd also get like a pack of M&Ms on our way. And then we'd like get there and there was the sneakiness and getting caught and like trying to be That's creative so with fun. the teepee. It really brought in everything. And I'm like, am I too old for this? <laughs> No, I honestly, if you ever want to go teepeeing, I'm super down. I was even worse though when I was a kid. This is shameful, but I would I would go teepeeing. I grew up in Michigan. I would go teepeeing. They have this thing in Michigan called Devil's Night. It's the night before Halloween and it's chaos. But um, we would go teepeeing and then the next day my neighbors would just be so pissed. And I don't know if they knew it was us or not, but they would pay us to clean it up. <laughs> This is the best money I've ever made. I had just heard about (laughs) Devil's Night for the first time this year. My husband's from Howell, Michigan. And I was like, Devil's Night? What are you guys talking about? (laughs) That's so funny. Well, Howell isn't that far away. Yeah, I know Howell. We go there. Eventually, we're going to have a house there um, because we do have land there already set for us. But... Um, yeah, we go there every year for 4th of July. But going back to the question around, I talked about how a lot of times people don't bring enough self-awareness and they sort of paint an entire experience as negative because of of one thing. But I know another one of the things that you teach is around reframing negative experiences overall, even if the whole thing was bad, <laughs> into positive memories. <laughs> so how do you... What's your process for that? 
Sure. So one of the most interesting things in the study was that one third of the 20,000 people stated a negative experience as their most valuable experience. And I would say I was part of that 20,000. Um, for me, it was like this really crazy year where I got separated and I moved and I, I had my place, new place broken into several times. It was really scary. COVID happened, like all the stuff with, you know, my other company, like we had to lay all the, our employees off that were like a family to us. Um, and like financially, it wasn't the best year, just like all these dominoes were falling, right? And at the time, I was like, this is the absolute worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I just was super depressed. And I had never been that depressed before. And to me now, looking back, you know, in 2023, I absolutely think that was the best experience of my life. Because now I'm on such a better path. Like if I was still with, you know, that person or still with doing, you know, work that I wasn't like sure about or doing, you know, living in that place or whatever, like whatever those things are, like I wouldn't be here. And I'm really happy now. And and I've accomplished quite a few of my big goals, whether they're creative or work or whatever, in the last couple of years. And I truly don't think that would have happened without going through all of that. And now I live in a place that I love and I'm very happy and my mental health is much better. So, and I'm super grateful. Like every day that I'm happy, I'm like, thank God. Like, because I don't ever want to feel that way again. Right. So for me, negative experience turned into a positive, just took some time. So I think there's like a lesson in each big negative experience a lot of people would say things like you know my most valuable experience is when my mom got cancer and then it made me realize like how short life is and how much i love my family and how i need to spend more time with them and so or it could be something like you know when i was young i was a heroin addict and it made me you know that was my most valuable experience because now i work at a center where i help people that have those same problems and everyone was saying something like that. And I just thought that was so powerful. Um, another way to reframe it, which is my favorite way, less deep, but it's <laughs> so true. is When you're going through a negative experience, think about maybe this could be funny in, in a year or five years. And I love to think about that because nobody, you know, stories that you tell your friends, like say you're telling like a campfire story. It's never going to be like, I woke up and my day was great and what a wonderful day. You're going to tell something negative that happened and your friends are going to laugh, right? Because things over time, you know, comedy plus trauma over time or whatever that equation is, it's like over time, things become much funnier and much lighter. And you're not going to be really as interesting of a person if nothing negative ever happens to you. <laughs> so I love to reframe it in like that light. And I love to think about the positives that came from things like when I was you know younger I got uh my I like worked my butt off to get into the music industry and then I finally got a job and it was like the best thing that ever happened to me and then my my office shut down and everyone got laid off and I was like Ugh. like everything that I did was like gone right I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me at that point in my life. I was like 21. And then what ended up happening is that I moved to Los Angeles, which I absolutely love. And I've been here um, 17 years. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me coming from a negative experience. So at the time, you're like, I got laid off. This sucks. But you don't know what's next. Like now I'm like, I can't imagine like living in my hometown and like where my life would have been. And like, no offense to them, but like, it's, it's just not for me. And like, I grew as a person, like when I moved here, I felt like anything was possible. And I wouldn't have never had that feeling if I would have stayed there in like the comfort zone of my hometown. One of, well, my hands down worst life experience, I was in a horrible relationship I had really low self-worth by this time. A bunch of things happened and I was letting life happen to me and I was making meaning from all of the bad things about my own worth. And it was showing not just in what I was attracting, but also the choices I was making. And I was in this horrible relationship. Long story short, found out over time he was cheating on me, addicted to meth, gambling everything away. And the the last one was I found out he was secretly robbing houses and I got arrested with him. <laughs> and so I ended up taking a felony to save him from having to go to trial. And just the dumbest 22-year-old decision ever. <laughs> 
And so then I just had a felony on my record. But that experience pushed me into entrepreneurship because I'm like, how am I going to explain this in two lines of a job application? And it made entrepreneurship mandatory for me because I had too much pride to like start at the bottom. And again, explain, like, I I just couldn't explain it. I'm like, I'm going to need like 15 minutes of your time. (laughs) And I'm going to need to show you other documents to show like the kind of person I really like, I just couldn't have done that. Now I see very clearly so much of that, how it led to the experience that I am now. My husband and I were just talking about this. His like worst experience when he was in high school was something about his helmet being too small and his championship wrestling match. And he lost like clearly going to win. And to that teenage boy, it felt like his life was over. Like this was his scholarships and all of this stuff. But then he would have like right now, he's got a very successful web design company working with nonprofits. Whereas if he would have won, he would have been a wrestler in in college. And then uh, something similar happened. He was on American Ninja Warrior and like his toe touched the water and they made the call that he was disqualified. It's like, I didn't even fall. Like, what do you mean? And so broken up about it. And I was trying to tell him in the moment, I'm like, we're getting married next month. I was like, you would have been like on tour with Ninja Warrior, right? When we're getting married, we have like this traveling the world plans that probably would have had to be canceled. I probably would have been so mad this marriage wouldn't have been working out. <laughs> and so we're just sure. reflecting on that on that in the uh, just the other day and like where we are now compared to those moments to just remind ourselves like when something negative happens, it could just be my one of my main main messages has been when I speak publicly at universities and such is is using your limitations as guideposts. Like what if you really had the belief that everything is happening for you. And if you look at it that way, then you start to see like, okay, well, this is just eliminating a couple of options. Did I even want those? Now I don't have to question it because they're not on the table anymore. Let me just go full force this way, commit. Someone told me once that we only ever have 80% clarity and the rest of it is just committing to that plan. And so just thinking about those things is is so helpful and taking life by the balls. Am I still allowed to say that in 2023? <laughs> And just like going, I, I think you should, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, take I, I love the vulva for the women out there. Well, however you want to look at it, and and just going a little bit harder is is how I like to look at it. Just stop making excuses for playing small. And so, thank you so much for all of the research that you put into this book, for the ideas on on how to implement them. I love leaving listeners with one specific thing to focus on this week, whether it's a thought experiment or a challenge or a bold move to really ground it into action. What would you leave them with? I think a really easy uh, experiment slash exercise that everybody can do that's free is when we were doing our research, we realized that one of the top regrets of the dying was not keeping in touch with friends. And this is something that so, so, so many people said. And I think something for your listeners is to just take, you know, five minutes today and write down a list of couple people that you would regret not keeping in touch with and reach out to those people. Just send them, you know, an email, text, phone call, anything like that. It's free. And, you know, you never know how long your life is going to last and you never know what is going to happen. So you can avoid this regret just by like taking five minutes of your time. I'm going to do that. I know exactly who I'm going to reach out to. And I'm going to want to, I'm going to ask if she wants to take a picture with Santa with me. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Please send that to me. I will, I be will so send it happy. to you. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for listeners that are resonating, want to read your book, want to connect with you. Where's the best place for them to find you? Sure. So my site is BridgetHilton.com and ExperientialBillionaire.com. And then I'm on Instagram as well, Bridget L. Hilton. All the links for this episode will be at MindLove.com slash 333. Your challenge for this week is to make that list. Who would you regret not keeping in touch with? It doesn't need to be every single person, although it depends on your style of flow here. (laughs) When my ADD brain kicks in, I tend to go pretty robust in this area, but it can be something like two or three. Who are those people that you haven't spoken to in quite a bit, but you don't want them out of your life? You have to make those conscious connections. 
And usually when we're more willing to keep those connections, to reach out to the people we care about, the rest just follows. You decide you want to get together, then you have to think of something to do. But if you want to take this one step further, when you guys do get together, how can you add a little flair to it? How can you add a little flair anytime you're going out of the house? This is something I'm working on too. I'm in a season of goals. I'm so passionate about so many things I'm creating right now that it's very easy for me to just stay in my little podcast nook. I've decorated it to be exactly like me, so it feels so good in here. And then I have my family that I love. I've really curated my life to be something I enjoy just being in. But I know that a big part of the happiness is that connection. It's the core memories that get encoded because it's something outside the norm. So I'm taking this challenge too. Let me know how it goes for you. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you love this episode, consider sharing it. Maybe that's actually how you reach out to a friend. Just share it with them. (laughs) Say, this inspired me. Let's hang out. I would love to be a part of that conversation. If you do use this episode to connect, please let me know. That would just make my whole week. I have so many exciting things going on. If you're not getting the morning mind love, you're also missing out on a ton of other announcements, amazing things going on in the mind love world. So sign up at mindlove.com right there on the homepage. You can also reach out to me on Instagram. You'll notice that the content is flourishing there. Like I said, something big is coming this year, something that I've been working on behind the scenes for years, especially as I took some time to just be with my babies and my family, I was also perfecting an experience for you. So reach out to me on Instagram, go to my Instagram. It's all over the place right now. You'll be able to see what I'm talking about, or at least the sneak peeks until it's ready to be announced. And finally, you can find all of my amazing sponsors at mindlove.com sponsors with the links for discounts and all of that jazz. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.